Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in today to the Out of Spec podcast. I'm your host, Francie, here, and I just wanted to give a note before you get to listen to this really awesome interview with Kurt van de Putte from BMW Group and their Battery Cell Competency Center, uh, Competence Center. And this is a really great interview. I got to do it when I was out in the California area the other week, and I'll get into all that in the podcast, but the first thing I want you to know is that it's a two-parter. I wanted to split it up into the BMW battery strategy in general, and then also the topic of battery recycling. So this is episode one. Make sure you stick around and listen tomorrow for episode two. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Out of Spec podcast. I'm your host, Francie, and today I am joined very luckily by Kurt van de Putte, who is the Battery, the manager of battery cell technology at the BMW Competence Center, right? I got all those words, right? Absolutely. Thank you for joining me today. Um, we're here for the BMW Technology Office's 25th anniversary. And of course, I'm interested in speaking with you about everything battery, all, all that we can fit into. And hopefully I'll split these up into two podcast segments. But yeah, thank you for joining me today. It's really exciting. You're actually kind of new to BMW, Yes. Yes, yes. It's also for me uh, an honor to be here. I joined uh, BMW Group on November 1st, so I'm really I'm in the, my discovery phase. I received the cookie jar, and from now on, I can pick what I like. Yeah, it's fun. It's that, really fun. Very fun, very fun. And we met, actually, we were just on the bus to dinner the other night, and you happened to take the seat next to me, and then we learned, yeah, that we have some interests in common. Of course, you have a very interesting background. You're a chemist, yes? Yes, exactly. I'm a chemist by education. And um, I spent basically my whole professional career with battery materials and battery ecosystem. So as a European, it's quite an exception because battery industry was really an Asian thing until a couple of years ago. But I was uh, really lucky and fortunate to be part of that uh, yeah, amazing journey so far. So you bring an interesting perspective to the space. You're not technically a chemical engineer or um, a mechanical engineer. You have that chemist 
background, and I know that during the presentation yesterday um, at the technology office here in Silicon Valley, you did speak to thinking of batteries as an organism. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, uh, being a chemist, you really think about what's physically going on in that small cell. And a battery is nothing else than a small chemical factory. Um, and chemistry is indeed a living thing. Eh? Uh, things happen in charge and discharge. Uh, we look for a uh, good understanding of what's going on and it's electrochemistry, so it's not straightforward. Also, the user uh, behavior really determines what happens in the cell. And if there's something that is something very hard to predict is how the user is going to use it. Um, you can imagine that uh, if you are uh, really somebody who is an intensive user, you you you, you do a lot of uh, distance, you charge a lot, you, you go for fast charging. This is a completely different thing than if you are a regular user, maybe charging once once or twice a week overnight. That's a completely different use case. And that has a huge impact on the chemistry that is going on in the cell. So that makes your job a little bit difficult because there are different use cases. I mean, if you're looking at more of a performance, faster driving vehicle versus a commuter. So is um, I'd love to speak to you more about BMW's initiatives and strategies there where you're trying to decide maybe what battery chemistry or are you really considering all the options and even implementing those into new models into the future? Well, that goes to the heart of my responsibility in the end. It's really trying to find from a chemistry point of view, what fits the different sub-segments that we need to supply. Uh, and of course, you have the sub-segments on the customer side, and, and it's up to us then to see how do we uh, develop our battery cell strategy and how do we make uh, the best compromise? Because in the end, every cell design is a compromise. Uh, you need to have like six, seven key performance indicators always being met. But in, in cell technology today, I've not seen in my whole career a cell technology that really ticks all the boxes to the absolute maximum of performance. And either you go for energy or you go for power or you go for more calendar life or you, or you design for really a total cost of ownership, which is the lowest one. But it's making a compromise and looking really how the chemistry fits best to the sub-segments that we need to uh, uh, supply. Hmm. Very interesting way to go about it um, and having kind of distinct offerings based on the use case. So one thing that you touched on yesterday during your presentation was a kind of new format that you're going into instead of the prismatic cells that have been the historical use perhaps at BMW, but yeah. more into the cylindrical, or is it 100% you're going cylindrical? Yeah. Yeah, indeed. That's, uh, thank you for, for bringing this topic up. This is really for BMW uh, an enormous change. Uh, looking very briefly to the past, BMW always worked with prismatic cells because 10 years ago, we had to start from existing platforms. And although we developed i8 and, 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 and i3, um, we had to start electrification using the existing platforms. So you were restricted by the form factor. And at that moment in time, uh, the, the, the prismatic battery was the easiest to integrate because you had prismatic cells, you integrate that in a module, you bring a couple of modules then in the pack. But with um, our Gen 6 uh, coming up, so that's the battery technology that will be used for the Neue cluster that will become on the market in 2025, we had the opportunity to start from scratch. So basically we had, as a cell technologist, we had a white paper, we knew the requirements from, let's say, the car, and then it was up to us to find the optimum. 
And after uh, really in-depth studies and, and also a lot of modeling, we can really model a lot on performance and on cost factors, we came up with the cylindrical cell as being the best cell format for this new concept. And one of the reasons why we've gone for cylindrical cells is because the overall premises of, um, of the pack design for the new Neue Klasse is completely different than what we used to. Now we have um, really the, the, the cell-to-pack design, we have then the, uh, the open-body architecture, where the pack is going to be an int integral part of uh, really the, the, the car chassis. And you spoke to the Neue Klasse really quickly, and if anyone doesn't know, this is the new all-electric line, the new class that um, is reborn out of BMW, coming in 2025, first off, and um, built from the bottom up. So it's going to be very different, but also incorporating this cylindrical uh, format, which is um, interesting. And you were speaking to the benefits because someone had a great question. What about the geometry there, right? There's unused space technically, but y'all were essentially saying, no, 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 we're going to use that. Um, in pack design and chemistry, we really have to look at a full holistic approach. Um, times are over that cell chemists look at the cell and then you have an integrator in a completely different part of the organization, these times are over. Uh, when you design a pack, also there, you look at finding the best compromise for the sub-segment that you need to serve. And having the cylindrical cell uh, form factor uh, g gives more flexibility on the one hand, but also uh, I think it's really important that the users understand how much more energy we are able to put in a certain container. and. More energy, of course, means also more measures in terms of thermal management, safety control. And with cylindrical cells, we are actually better in managing that, in controlling that, in sensing what is going on in that pack. Because chemistry in the can is the living organism in the, in the pack, but that has an impact on your full pack and how you manage that. And that's the reason why we've really opted for, uh, for this cell design. Very cool. So we've got the cell shape, the cell design, and now what about what's inside the batteries? So we explored that um, LFP, the lithium iron phosphate batteries are a way that you're going, but also solid state and then this mix of combined dual chemistries. So um, of those, which is BMW focusing on most? Because of course you have the iVentures where you're investing into different technologies or collaborating with startups that are in this space and going with interesting technologies. But with the Neue class, are we going to see a specific battery chemistry first off, or are you really exploring the solid state and then the dual chemistries that we can dive into more details with? Yeah, these are a lot of new things in one sentence. I think it's important that we get the timeline really straight. Yes. So current cars on the road are using our Gen 5 battery technology. We are preparing Gen 6 that will go into Neue Klasse as of 2025. And the cool thing, solid state, for us, this is still the next generation. Um, let's start with Gen 6. So it's a cylindrical cell format, but within that format, we can play with the chemistry. And why do we change certain chemistries? Because we need to serve with that one single format, different subsegments. I think you can appreciate that a pack for an, for an uh, X1 or a pack for uh, Neue Klasse 120 kilowatt hours is a completely different animal. So from a chemistry perspective, we look, we really, we, we have certain performance parameters that are higher on the list than others. For smaller packs, 
we have opted for lithium iron phosphate as a key cathode material because this serves best that segment. Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of total cost of ownership, I think this is a very, very comprehensive and a very good offer. If you really go for what we call design for performance, that's a different animal. There, it's a matter of packing as much as possible energy into that format. And therefore, we've chosen for typically NMC compositions in, uh, in that cell chemistry. And we try to also innovate at the anode side because cell uh, the cell energy in a cell is, of course, determined by the combination of anode and cathode density. My specific role is looking at the chemistry and really at the cell level. So um, uh, I'm the first in the chain, basically, or with my team, of course, uh, to develop what's going into that small cylinder. We have a, a team that is then focusing on manufacturing part. Uh, BMW has taken a strategic decision basically 15 years ago to understand this new engine and the energy storage of the new, uh, of the new cars to understand this fundamentally well. And companies started first with understanding the chemistry in the cell, and then in the next step to understand the manufacturing of these cells. Why is that so important? The quality control, the consistency of cell making is really crucial for performance and for cost competitiveness and also for environmental performance of the pack. So we've recently opened, actually in October, just before we joined, there was also a public uh, um, uh, announcement and also a visit uh, to our uh, manufacturing competence center in Parsdorf. So this is now really complementing our overall strategy to understanding fundamentally the batteries from chemistry to manufacturing. Why are we doing that? We want to discuss with our cell suppliers on an equal footing. From a technology point of view, we are equals and we help each other. This is maybe in contrast to what many people will think, this is a pretty open interaction. We can help, they bring us also new insights and that's why we really wanna get better. In the end, we stand for performance and performance is a good choice of chemistry, but it's also operationalizing that in the perfect way. That's what we wanna achieve. Which brings up the question of the partnership with one, our next energy, because you actually don't have to choose between one chemistry or another, but it's this dual combined chemistries where, um, as I understand it, you have the traction side, which is the daily use LFP side of the battery, a DC to DC converter, and then a the long range, the range extender side, which um, is the, it's anode free, mm -hmm. right? Yes. So um, I'd love to, of course, it's it's not born out of BMW, but it's one of these partnerships. And this seems really interesting because you also recently did a test where um, the WLTP test, which is the European standard for the EPA range testing, where you got in an IX with this battery over 600 miles, right? And so this is pretty interesting. It says, okay, can we combine these? to have a longer range to fit that daily need. But if you really need to go that far, you can do it here. So um, can you tell me just a little bit more about the one battery in general and then also your goals and your work with that? Yeah. Well, Francie, this is a perfect example of saying in the beginning, the cookie jar has been opened at BMW. <laughs> I'm a material, material scientist. And in the end, what the people at One have done is somehow compensated what we have never been able to achieve on the material science. What do I mean with that? 
at this moment in time, I mentioned earlier on, it's so hard to come up with a battery that and is serving all the power requirements and is serving all the energy requirements. So we optimize things and, and on the design. But what one has been doing is actually they have combined then two battery types into one system. The customer doesn't even feel that there are two battery types inside. There's just like one battery, but it's their smart design, the smart integration of those two battery cells um, with different electrochemical performance parameters, but they have brought that together and they have combined the best of both worlds. First of all, they combine an LFP traction battery that is serving basically for the majority, the vast majority of what all users are going to use. Daily commute, couple of drives uh, back and forth for a day or even two days. And they combine that with a range extender battery using extreme high energy battery technology. That is crucial. It's very innovative. And this range extender helps basically to yeah, serve your one or two percent requirements for uh, for long distance drive so it's amazing on the technology side what they uh, what they have achieved uh, and it's it's based again on good understanding of these different chemistries inside without that it's so hard to design these things and of course this isn't necessarily your product i mean your pro pro project um but I do have some questions that hopefully you can answer. So when I was looking at the images, um, there's like the blue and the yellow interspersed, but in the diagrams, it's, you know, one side of the battery and the other with the DC to DC converter in between. So could you break down exactly how the battery is integrated together? Is it truly one half is the long range and one half is the traction or is it kind of interspersed? Well, simply said, it's indeed one half is the, the power, the traction battery, LFP based, and the other one is anodeless. Um, I was lucky this week to really have a, a deep dive with the, with the technology people of, of one uh, during uh, our events. And it is so cool how they have integrated these things. Because as a result of the chemistry inside, also the electrochemical performance of these cells is different. Discharge patterns are different. Charging patterns are different. But they were able with their DC-DC design to integrate that smoothly. And... Um, I was really, I must say I was skeptical at the beginning of the week because I didn't understand fully how they were doing it. And uh, in the past, I, that was intriguing me. But they have in depth explained what's behind the fundamentals of their DCDC innovation. And now I get the point. And this is actually an answer on my key question. How could this be electrically efficient? Mm -hmm. But they have kind of solved that issue in a very smart way. And that makes that although you have to move energy from one cell to the other. Mm -hmm. You can do that in a very efficient, electrically efficient way. And if you want to have 608 miles on a, on, on a test cycle, you need to have an efficient system. So really well done. Very cool. So the DC to DC converter, when you talk about efficiency, when you're moving power from one battery into the other, do you know the efficiency of that converter? Because if we're considering what might be lost along the way? Mm -hmm. I don't know the exact numbers, uh, as you can imagine. Uh, <laughs> uh, technicians talk a lot, but uh, so we also know somehow the, li the limits of what can be, what can be disclosed. Um, but in the end, I think the fact that they do 600 miles in, I mean, in such a configuration tells it all. Uh, this is really a very good achievement. And I would like to add, the DC-DC the, the part, of course, adds some costs. So you 
you, you have to be really very careful on what you add to the whole system. Um, on the one hand, you win higher energy, but imagine that you lose everything on the cost with that DC-DC converter that is inside. Your benefit is gone. And I think there they have made also massive improvement compared to what was available uh, in the past. Um, of and it's also based on yeah, better materials in, uh, in DC-DC converters. Very cool. And of course, also you're exploring solid state batteries. So solid power was one of the uh, partners demonstrated yesterday. And from what I know, you know, these are, these are tough. This is one of the more out into the future, um, observations or, you know, goals. But at this point, you're considering it. But is there any, you know, real traction to use that word again, moving towards solid state batteries that you've seen and that you're excited for? Well, the potential of solid state battery uh, the, uh, technology for automotive is so interesting that it would be stupid not to explore that. Huh? Um, for us, this is um, a an, an research project, really pretty far in the future, um, but we, we have to explore all options. And solid state is, um, is good because in the end you eliminate almost all of the anode going forward. Uh, now we have graphite, that's the almost like the parking lot of the lithium in the cell. And the, the aim is to get that graphite out and reduce that to a metallic anode, uh, being it silicon-based or, or silicon-dominant or, or lithium. So you make the anodes much smaller and that gives you more space so you can fill it up with more cathode, which is then bringing the higher energy density. The key challenge of solid state batteries is you need to have solid materials chemically interacting with each other. And chemical interactions between compounds only happen if they meet each other. And you can imagine if in a solid state setup, I mean, everything is solid, is fixed. How do you then make these compounds interact with each other? And we do this through very smart design of these materials and mixing of these materials, uh, bringing into contact and letting interact intimately. So you bring a solid electrolyte in contact with anode, in contact with cathode, and you make sure that the contact is good enough, good enough in charge and in discharge. Because again, even in solid state cells, this is a living mechanism. Uh, you have also some deformations. You have some volume expansion and contraction that you really have to manage. This is the key fundamental aspect. First of all, making sure that you have electrolyte with high enough conductivity because the benchmark is liquid electrolyte with salts inside, extremely high conductivity. And then it's getting these materials interacting chemically well and, of course, overuse remain stable. Uh, the products need to keep the activity as you charge and discharge. This is the key challenge. There's a lot of advantages, I think, that people are really excited for with the solid state batteries, but there's a lot of standardization that is not done yet. You know, how you manufacture, what the materials are, and we must wait to see what will happen next. But um, how important and advantageous is it, do you think, for BMW to be participating this heavily in all the different battery chemistries that exist and having, you know, your technology lab and your competency centers where you're really testing these and exploring these, and especially when it comes to shaping the industry in general? What role do you think BMW or automakers in general play in the battery chemistry that we will see? Well, the automakers start to really play a crucial role in that innovation uh, ecosystem. Um, 
during my whole career, I've seen an enormous shift in how innovation was tackled in the battery industry. When I started in the early 2000s in this industry, everybody was sitting in its own corner, in its own lab and improving its own material. I was responsible for cathode material. We were improving cathode material. Somebody else was improving the anode. And that all came together with the cell maker. But these times are over. During the era of portable electronic improvements, basically everybody kind of reached the limit a little bit. And since then, the improvement of the battery cell is improvement of the integration of these components. Now, it is impossible to be best in all these components. So do what you're good at. If you're good in material science, uh, solid state materials, work on that. If you're good in electrolyte, work on that. And then find the right integrators. And that's where there is a huge space for innovators. Um, the, the future of improvement track for battery cell technology and also for integration towards PAC lies into collaboration, open innovation networks. I'm Dead, I'm, I'm really convinced of that. Also in my previous company, previous responsibilities, I was a very strong supporter of employing really open innovation. Uh, it's so hard to be best in everything. Uh, that's very difficult. It is, which is why you might as well start experimenting with everything that's out there to figure out what works for your goals. And it really does seem like you have a very I mean, honestly, exciting point of view and role where you are playing in the cookie jar and you're getting to be a part of this very innovative industry, which is where I would love to switch topics. So um, we're going to dive into the other topic of battery recycling, which I am very passionate about. I think it's really interesting. We've been talking about making the battery and using it in the EVs, but what comes next? So thank you for speaking with me on the battery strategy of BMW. And now we will switch to a new topic that you will find on a podcast near you soon. So thank you. And thank you, everyone, for tuning into the Out of Spec podcast. If you have any questions, please ask them, and I'll see if I can get some answers. But hope you enjoyed, and we'll see you next time on the Out of Spec podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.